Anyway, good morning. My name is Nate Arnold, and uh, I enjoy coming over here. You guys just have a special spot in my heart, and uh, it's always a pleasure to come over and preach the gospel here to you and, and with you. So, as I get a little organized here this morning... For the world, this is the Christmas season, and it's the time to gather up treasure. Matter of fact, many people are buying presents, probably even today, and uh, we'll be all the way up till 12 o'clock midnight on the 24th. But this is a time that the world gets and gathers treasure in the form of gifts. But for the church, this time is a reminder of the greatest gift ever given. And that's God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. John 3:16 through 18 reminds us, "For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him." Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this morning, I want to talk about treasure. That's the topic of our sermon today. And I want to begin with a tale of two stories. Tale of two stories, not cities, stories. So I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you're going to visit a friend and you're driving your car and eventually your car just breaks down in the middle of nowhere. And to your right there is a great big field kind of on a hill and you just pull the car over and you kind of know my friend's house is just over that hill somewhere and I think I'll take a shortcut across that hill. So... As you start up the hill, you notice how beautiful things are, and you kind of see something on the top up there, and it's a big old stump. And as you get closer, you notice that the farmer, he just plows around the old stump. He doesn't plant anything there. He doesn't push the stump up. So you say, you know, that bump of a stump would be a great place for me to stand and just look at all God's beauty here. It would be marvelous. So you start walking over to the stump and the next thing you know, your leg falls through, the, through a hole in the ground. And after you get your leg back out of the hole, you get your little flashlight out and you look down there and lo and behold, it's gold. It's a bunch of treasure. Well, what do you do? You don't want to steal the treasure, Right? You want to legitimately have the treasure, though, because that's treasure. I mean, that's gold. There's jewels down there. Looks like all kinds of things. And you want the treasure. How do you legitimately have this treasure? So let's imagine another story. You're a business person. As a matter of fact, you're a trader. And your business is to discover bargains. You buy low. You sell high. Now, you're not a cheapo business person. You're not just dealing in anything. But you don't deal in junk. You deal in quality merchandise. 
And as a matter of fact, you scour the internet and, and you visit foreign countries and foreign markets looking for your merchandise. As a matter of fact, you pay people finder's fees if they find something really of value for you and you can resell it. That's the kind of business you have. And people gladly buy your wares because you add value to them. They gladly pay the prices you ask. So you're a really good merchant. You're a really good business person. And then one day, you find something that you've never seen before. You've been all over the world, and you've never seen anything that has this much value, this much perfection, and you want it. And you know that there's nothing like this in all the world. I mean, you know, you're an international merchant. You know this. And it's a pearl. It's a beautiful, giant, magnificent, grand pearl. Now, you know this pearl won't be cheap. Not going to be cheap. You're not going to get this one cheap. This is not a buy low and sell high situation. This is the find of a lifetime. What do you do? What do you do? So I'll ask you to stand for the reading of God's word today. And we're going to read from Matthew chapter 13, beginning with verse 44 through verse 46. And the title of our sermon today is The Greatest Treasure. So this is the word of the living God. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. May God add a blessing to the reading of his infallible, inerrant word. Let's pray. Father, show us the value this morning. Show us the value of Christ. Show us the great treasure, the great pearl, and change us. Mold us and make us into his image so that we're pleasing to you. Lord, change our hearts so that we can tell others about this great treasure. In Christ's name, I pray. Amen. You may be seated. So I've got three points this morning. They're already listed there in your bulletin. And let's begin by exploring how the treasure is discovered. Point number one, discovering the treasure. And in these two very important little bitty parables, they're just little bitty stories, but there's a lot of information here if you think about it. It's very interesting because a lot of people struggle with how to come to Christ and they have canned approaches. You have to make an altar call. You know, you have to say some verses or you have to say a particular prayer, a particular way. And that's how we come to Christ. But I want you to look at these two verses or these two parables here because Christ, I think, is representing two ends of the spectrum of discovery, how he gets discovered how people come into the kingdom of God. On the one hand, in the story of the treasure on the field, we have a person who's not looking at all. They're just walking across the field, oblivious. 
They're just wandering around until they actually stumble on the treasure. And maybe this is you this morning. Maybe this is how you came to Christ. You were oblivious and then one day, poof, right in your face and you stumbled on the great treasure that is Jesus Christ. Jesus revealed himself to you. Maybe this is you this very morning. Church and Christianity really haven't been a thing for you. Eh, You could take it or leave it. No big deal. But lately you're starting to notice it everywhere. It's like learning a new word. Everybody's learned new words, right? Put your hand in the air. Yes. Okay. No, you guys haven't learned this. But every time you learn a new word, you hear it for the first time, you go look it up or you Google it and you, you learn that new word. And then as soon as you learn that new word, what happens? You see it on billboards. Yeah, the newscasters are saying it. All your friends are using it. It's not quite as new as you thought it was, but it's new to you, isn't it? Or what about cars? I, I notice this all the time because we've got some cool colors of cars today. I mean, they're just really unique. And I'll see one and go, that is, people who are not in the Navy do not know that that is machinery gray. That's the color of the gray that's in the engine room of a ship, you know. And, and wow, why do they paint a car that way? And that's very unique. And the next thing you know, I see 40 of them. It's, it's unique to me, right? It happens to me. And the same thing happens to you. And what happens in this case, you're beginning to learn more and more about what's going on in Christianity, what's going on with Christ, and he's revealing himself to you. And maybe, just maybe, you're about to stumble on that treasure this very morning. Could happen to you. Romans 10.20 backs this up. Paul is quoting Isaiah here, and Isaiah is quoting God. He says, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. So that's the one hand, the guy or gal stumbling around in the field. On the other hand, in the story of the pearl merchant, we have a person who's constantly seeking, constantly looking. You know something is missing in your life. You just know it. You don't know why you know it, but you know it. There seems to be a hole in your heart, and you're constantly seeking to fill it. Some people try to fill it with drugs, alcohol, pornography, whatever you want to put in that hole. A lot of people try to fill it with toys and money and other things, but it still doesn't satisfy. You've bought and tried many things. Nothing satisfied. You seem to be thirsty all the time, all the time. And there's nothing seems to quench that thirst for you. Maybe that's you this morning. It's like being thirsty and having only soda to drink. It just doesn't quite work. You don't run a marathon and then guzzle a two-liter Pepsi, right? It just, it doesn't work. Something's wrong. And maybe that's you because it doesn't meet your need. The Bible speaks to you also. As a matter of fact, Christ himself says in Revelations twenty two seventeen, he says, and let the one who is thirsty come, come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. And in John seven thirty seven, it says, even Jesus himself stood up and cried here and says, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. And to drink, to be satisfied. You see, it doesn't matter where on the spectrum you are this morning, the spectrum of discovery. 
you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to come a certain canned way. And we tend to standardize things in church. You may just be wandering around or you may know something's missing. Something's wrong. You're looking for something to fill the void, to bring peace, to satisfy your thirst. Christ says, come, come. And this brings us to our next point. What kind of treasure would satisfy that thirst? What kind of treasure would satisfy that thirst? So point number two, valuing the treasure. How do you value So first we need to talk about what makes a treasure a treasure. How many people have heard it said, one man's trash is another man's treasure? Yeah, we hear that all the time. But we know that's not quite true, is it? Because to be treasure, something has to have inherent value. Right? Has to have inherent value. So we instinctively know that that's not true. And that's what makes it treasure. It has inherent value, real value. You would never say that a hundred bars of gold are trash. Anybody? (laughs) No, you would never say a hundred bars of gold were trash unless the Titanic was sinking and you were trying to swim. And then you would let them go. Um, You would never say a bag of diamonds weren't valuable. Each is inherently valuable. It has value by being what they are. And when it comes to what we value or our treasure, we're often willing to trade, aren't we? We want to trade up. The modern term today for the video gamers is I'm leveling up. I'm moving up a level. And we do. We want to trade. Some people will mortgage their house to start a business or take out a loan. They're trying to level up. They're trying to get something of greater value. We trade treasure all the time. It's something we do in our lives. So what type of treasure are we talking about here this morning? What's the value? What am I being offered this very morning? Well, Christ tells us right in our passage there. He says, he begins both stories in verse 44 and 45. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like. So the treasure is the kingdom of heaven. It's how to get into the kingdom of heaven. It's how to belong to that kingdom of heaven. It's the treasure of coming to Christ. It's the treasure of having all our sins removed. All my filthiness is washed away of having a clear conscience before God because there's no more guilt. There's no more guilt. All is right between God and me. It's the treasure of receiving the righteousness of Christ, not having my own righteousness. To know that I stand perfect in Christ without spot or wrinkle. It's the treasure of being resurrected to a new life, to life eternal. Never ever, think about this, never ever to have sin influence you again or touch you again. You're perfectly whole. Think of that. That's the treasure that's being offered. The treasure, it's the treasure of being reconciled to God the Father and spending eternity with him. How will it be to look on the face of God and live? 
that'll be awesome. That's awesome. It's to see his face and to walk with him. It's the treasure of walking across the expanse of time, secure in God's love, knowing as I am known. God knows everything about me, and I will know as I am known, the Bible says. Imagine that kind of treasure. It's the treasure, I like to think of it this way, it's the treasure of running up to Jesus and say, can you show me one more time those scars? I I just want to touch him. Can I I touch him? And then I run off like a 12-year-old girl giggling. That's treasure. That's real treasure. That's treasure that has value. How valuable would a treasure like that be to you? What would you be willing to exchange for that kind of treasure? This brings us to our third point. So, how do I legitimately get the treasure? I don't want to steal it, right? We've discovered the treasure. We value the treasure. How do we legitimately make this treasure ours? Because I'll tell you, this treasure is for you. It's for you. It's for me. So let's talk about taking hold of the treasure. How do we gain legitimate ownership? Because it's not a treasure you can steal. Not like the treasure in the field where you could come back every night till you got it all in a few weeks. Hopefully you wouldn't get caught. It's not like that. So this morning I'm literally speaking to two categories of people. And I don't know what category you're in. The first category is those who have not yet possessed Christ, the treasure. You may be in that category this morning. And the main point of our parables is, and we see it in both stories, that the people who discovered the treasure and saw the treasure's value, what did they do? They were all in, weren't they? They were all in. They sold everything. They gave up everything to be all in. They willingly sold all they had to possess the treasure. So we see here that they made a decision. They made a decision. We know that Christ is the treasure. So this teaches us that we must be all in too, right? It's this way for yes. Yeah. That's how we're we're to be, all in. We must make a decision. We're called to make a decision so that we can belong to the kingdom of God. And I'll say to you, just as a, a person that studies leadership and management, that both components of quality decision making are present for you in these two stories. The first component is emotional. Every decision you make in life will be emotion, whether positive or or negative. It it should be driven by emotion. People say, well, you need to cut all emotion out of your decision making. Then you won't make a decision. That's what will happen. But you see, the first guy, he sees the treasure and with joy he does this. So the first component of decision making is emotion. The second component is intelligence. That pearl merchant did some noodling. I guarantee you, they got out their notebook, their calculator. Whoa. And there was some intelligence involved. So both components are involved in our decision about coming to the kingdom of Christ, about coming into the kingdom of God. It gives us a hint how we're to approach this decision. Now I want to warn you, If you don't belong to the kingdom of God this morning, this is not a fair weather decision. 
It's not a fair weather decision where when we're in trouble and we want to escape or we think we need some kind of insurance against this problem, we come to Christ and then when things are good, we go about the old way of life. That's not what this decision is about this morning. This is the Lord of glory that we're talking about, Jesus Christ himself. And we have to note in the two parables, the field is not cheap, is it? The pearl is not cheap. Neither are cheap. We commit to things we value. Value brings commitment. For example, I have, I'm a geek, I'll confess it, and I'm a little rigid. (laughs) So my toolboxes are set up a certain way. And uh, when you go in the garage, you'll open the fifth drawer down and there'll be an array of screwdrivers in good, proper military order. And those are my good screwdrivers. And then I'll have another bag over here with my beater screwdrivers in. What do you think is going to happen if I catch my grandson with one of my good screwdrivers beating on it with a hammer? Because I value those screwdrivers more than I do the other. I don't care if you beat up the other ones or break it. So we commit to things we value. We treat it differently. And that's what Christ is calling us to this very morning. I don't have time to unpack it, but Luke 14, 28, 33, that's your homework. Write it down, Luke 28. Okay, Luke, or excuse me, Luke 14, 28 through 33, reminds us to count the cost to look at the decision you're about to make or the decision you have made to count the cost, to noodle it out, to understand what becoming a disciple of Christ really means, to truly see the value of the treasure. Now, can we do this perfectly? Everybody should be going this way. No, we can't. We can't do it perfectly. I cannot do it perfectly. You cannot be per- do it perfectly. The end answer is a resounding no. But still, Christ calls us to make the decision, doesn't he? In whatever condition we find ourselves. In other words, don't let what you can't do stop you from doing what you should this morning. So if we can't be perfect... What do we do? You guys already know I'm not perfect. I have a big dent in my head right here. So what do we do? Well, we do what we can do, what Christ calls us to do. First of all, we look at the beauty of the treasure, the beauty of Christ. And he covers all my sin and imperfections. He's perfect. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For our sake, he, being God the Father, made him sin, Christ the Son, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We see the love of God for us. Have you ever thought about how much God really does love you? The second thing we can do is understand his value. How valuable is Christ? Christ is God. How valuable is God? (laughs) Hebrews 7.25 says, He, Christ, is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him because he ever makes intercession for us. He's all the time interceding for all of my shortcomings. So that's the love of the Father, and that's the love of the Son. 
And even though I fall short, Christ makes up the difference. Now, this is not the kind of making up the difference where I have some good points about me and they're kind of sticking up and then Christ comes in and fills all the empty spots there. No, that's not what we're talking about. This is not me plus Christ or Christ plus me, but this is all of Christ in all of my place. That's what this is. It's like a new coat of paint. Think of it this way. I I like to say it this way. It's like a new coat of paint that fills all the cracks and blemishes on the wall and totally covers the wall. What do you see when you see the wall? You just see the new paint. That's Christ. That's what the Father sees when he sees us. He doesn't see all my cracks and junk. He sees Christ. Christ has covered it all. It's not me plus Christ. It's Christ is everything. And that's where we place our faith, that Christ has actually painted my wall. He's practically covered me up. There's nothing exposed of me. It's all under Christ. And and we trust that Christ actually does that. That's what people mean when they say, put your faith in Christ. So what about if I make a mistake, Nate, or even willfully disobey? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands or nod your head. How many people have willfully disobeyed God in the room? Already know the answer, 100%. Yeah, we've all done that. So even then, Christ, our treasure, is always faithful. Even when I mess up, even when I willfully mess up, Christ, our treasure, is always faithful. 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless... He remains faithful. We don't rock his boat. (laughs) He rocks ours, right? He cannot deny himself. It's like the rock of Gibraltar. If you've never seen the rock of Gibraltar, it's an awesome place. It's it's just wonderful. Matter of fact, I've stood on the top and snuck out through a hole in the fence and stood on the very edge of the escarpment. It's, it's, It's an awesome rock. But it's been there, I don't know how long. It stood how many wars. It stood any kind of weather or anything else anybody can throw at it. That's how Christ is. He is who he is. He's faithful and he cannot ever deny himself. Don't think of Christ in our terms. Think of Christ in God terms. And we can turn to Christ even in all our faults and shortcomings. All our faults. Christ still says, come. You can have this treasure. It's the great exchange. It's all of Christ for all of me. And this is the call of someone who loves you, who really loves you who's always there, Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30. I love this passage. I use it often. Christ says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and I, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So that's the first category of, of person that doesn't know Christ. What about the second category? Those who've already taken possession of the treasure, who, who, who have the treasure. Well, maybe you've been a follower of Christ for a long time. 
And maybe you're going through some struggles. Maybe cancer has come into your life or family troubles or job troubles or any type of hardship. And maybe the treasure has lost a little of its luster, a little of its gleam for you. And you say, Nate, is there any encouragement for me in that this morning? I I know about coming to Christ. I've come to Christ. What's the encouragement for me? Well, Christ says the same thing to you. He says the exact same thing to you. In the Second Timothy passage about faithfulness, he reminds us to remember Christ's faithfulness. And in the Matthew passage, he reminds us that every time we have a struggle, we can run to Christ and he will lighten our burden. He will change us in that situation, even if he doesn't change the situation. He's always there for us. And as a matter of fact, for us, we get the extra Benny. The Bible gives us a little bit of encouragement here. Philippians 1.6 says this, says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion by the day of Christ, at the day of Christ. God will bring all of us who follow him through all of our struggles and hardships. He gives us this assurance because of his great love for us. And he wants us to have the treasure. He's not withholding it. He wants us to have it. So in conclusion, let me ask you. Maybe you're in the first category and you don't legitimately possess the treasure. Does the treasure of Christ capture your very soul? Is it something that's become real to you? Is the treasure, has the treasure of Christ become so valuable to you that you're willing to trade all you have in order to get it? Christ himself speaks to you this very morning. Matthew 16, 26, he says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his own soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? For his soul. Are you willing to trade that treasure this morning? Christ calls you to come and take the treasure to make that quality decision we talked about. 2 Corinthians 6.2 says, Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Do it now. Why procrastinate? Why put it off? Maybe you're in the second category and you possess Christ. So I ask you, Christian, Are his mercies new and fresh every morning to you? Does the treasure of Christ shine brightly for you? Does its glitter catch your eye throughout the day and you think on Christ, the joy of that? Christ calls to you to look at the treasure and be encouraged by its great value. His great love motivates our great love. In Hebrews 12, 2, it says, Looking to Christ, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured. As a matter of fact, he endured the cross. And we're encouraged to endure like him and to have joy because we know we've got the end of the book. We know what the end state is going to be. And we can have great joy in that. And lastly, to both categories, I ask you, will you and do you gladly exchange all else to follow Christ? Sounds like a wedding, doesn't it? It is. 
I can assure you that the treasure is worth far more than the price paid by you and I. But don't just take my word. Paul the Apostle tells us in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, he says, Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. In the ESV, it says dung, which is the Greek word in the King James. That's, Paul says, that's how I look at it. And on top of that, God even adds an additional promise. 1 John 3, 2 says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. I will get to touch those scars. Now that makes me happy. That is the greatest treasure that you could ever give him. Jesus Christ is the greatest treasure gift ever given. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. I urge you in whatever situation you find yourself to come to Christ today. Saved or lost, run to Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this gift that we cannot express the value of. There's not time, there's not words, there's not ability, there's not music, there's not money or anything that can express the value of what's been placed before us and whose we are. So Father, we thank you for this and we lift up and we praise your name because of this great and wonderful gift you've you've given us. And if there is people this morning who have not taken hold of the treasure, I pray that you would work in their heart. I actually pray that they would not even get sleep, Lord, till they've made this decision, that you would touch them and disturb them and poke them and cajole them, Lord, until they do. And for those of us who are struggling, I pray that the peace of Christ that passes all understanding would be our resting place. It would be our pillow where we can lay our head and we would be encouraged to go on through all the things of this life and all the struggles. For his glory, we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.